Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he got all excited because he thought Lululemon was a candy store. It's Arturo Zurita. For those of you who are new to the podcast watching live, I also get like 75% of this man's references when he introduces me. So, Zach, I'll let you explain. I mean, this tells me that you're not watching Barry. Barry's back. I'm not. How am I watching Barry when I got seven seasons to cram in of Game of Thrones before Sunday when I need to release Game of them? Thrones isn't the only important HBO show. We, we, this Barry was, I think it was at the top of your list. It was at the top of my list of best TV shows of last year. You got to get up on it, man. Bill Hader. I love Barry. Barry doesn't have a pop-up shop in the city. <laughs> uh, or you can go have drinks. That's only Game of Thrones. Uh, no, yeah, I do yeah. want to catch you... up on, on Game of uh, on Barry, and I do want to catch up on it uh, more so when I, can, when I can binge it. I have too many shows that I'm waiting the week for, so I'm just going to wait and just binge it all in one day to totally. do it. But uh, it's good. I've heard it's good. It is. It is. It stays good. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. We're also going to talk about Captain Marvel. We're going to talk about us. I see you in the comments down below. And maybe get into some of the movies from South by Southwest. But first... Uh, thank you for joining us. If you're joining us on this live stream, we are live streaming this episode. So if you are catching it later in the edited or audio form, know that we're going to start live streaming some of these episodes through the Let Me Explain YouTube channel. So uh, you can hear it earlier in the week. It will be might be a nice way to interact with us live. Make Don't sure you check that out. Correct also, us. Yell at us in the middle yeah. of the, in the middle of the recording. Make it more interactive. Uh, also, make sure that you're subscribed to the Intercut Podcast, either the video podcast on youtube.com slash intercutpod or the audio podcast available on most podcatchers. Also, follow Intercut on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We are at Intercut Pod. Art, let's start the show the way we start every week here on Intercut with what we are watching. Game of Thrones, all <laughs> seven seasons. I'm, I have four more seasons to cram in before Sunday. Yeah, so what, three days, four days for that? I'm watching it right now as we speak. It's right there on the corner. <laughs> so uh, for those of you who don't know, Zach and I, for those uh, for those in the Intercut podcast, like I'm pretty sure those are OGs. They've been back since like the A to Z reviews days. And so they know how much we've known each other. But like when I first went to go visit Zach's place, <laughs> it turns out this man doesn't have wallpapers on his computer background that he has on the side right now. He has movies playing. <laughs> Just it's called Save Hollywood. It's an app. It's really cool. It makes screensavers, movies, whatever movies you want. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so <laughs> he literally has movies playing in the background, so I'm taking a note out of his, and I just have Game of Thrones playing in the background. But I, I don't know how I'm going to finish it. Uh, in terms of that, we, we haven't done a podcast in a bit. The last time was South By, so I've yeah. seen a bit since then. Exactly. You had a bunch of stuff to do at South by Southwest and continuing your road trip. I got laryngitis. You might still hear that a little bit in my voice. Uh, so Yo, I was I, unable to podcast. I got to show him. I got to show him a little bit, but keep going on what else you've watched. I mean, I'll drop in the, uh, the Star is Born clip later. I don't know if you saw that on my Instagram, but I get to it. Yo, those of you guys watching, this man, I'm in Bush Gardens. I was still traveling. The weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. 
And joining me. I get this, right? I'm waiting in line <laughs> to get on a ride. People are looking at me. Uh, Alina, my girlfriend, goes, Did this man? Are you listening to uh, Lupita Nyongo in Us? <laughs> this guy had laryngitis. He's dying on the other end. I had no idea what was going on, but hey, I'm glad you're better. Yeah, back, better than ever, ready to podcast. It's probably uh, you're tethered, but yeah, yeah <laughs> whatever. It could be. I won't say. Uh, so yeah, Game of Thrones. I've been watching a little bit of it too. We were talking uh, before we started live streaming about the Battle of Blackwater, one of my uh, favorite older episodes from season two. Uh, we've been revisiting stuff like the Red Wedding. Anything stuck out to you so far on your rewatch? Uh, some things that I just little things that I didn't even know were things. I had no idea. Seriously, had another kid before the other three. Uh, connecting the fact that Robert Baratheon definitely killed the Mad King because the love of his life, Lyanna, was with. The brother of the Mad King? Bro, did you know Catelyn Stark was married to Ned's brother? He died. That's why they got married? There's Mm -hmm. just little things that change the entire dynamic of the show, but I'll give you one that I loved, uh, and then we'll continue to talk about something else. Dude, there's a scene, and I'm keeping it as cryptic, and I feel like Game of Thrones is one where even if we say something, people will be like, I have no idea what that is. Yeah, if you haven't watched it, you got like seven seasons Dude, until you know what I, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I remember when someone said, yo, season one, there's this whole thing that happens where like the main character goes. And I was like, okay. And I'm there thinking somebody else is the main character. And then the main character died. Well, all the main characters die. And it's like, it still surprises you even knowing that. The one that got me was Shay. Mm. So we know what happens with Shay. Yeah. I'll give it a little bit. Anyone listening who knows Game of Thrones, you know what's going on. Did you know in the first episode when they meet, Tyrion explains to Shay. You know, he thinks that, oh, this is his girl now. He's explaining to Shay how when he was 16, Jamie fabricated this whole thing with a prostitute to pretend to be this like whittled old woman and Tyrion saved her. It was all to boost Tyrion's ego. But the prostitute, after sleeping with Tyrion and making him feel like the hero, which was Jamie's intent, the good brother that mm-hmm. he is, after all that happened, she felt she wasn't paid enough and just straight up told Tyrion, yeah, this whole thing was fabricated. And he's like, but I was young and stupid. Shay, who is yet again another woman who's getting paid by his family members, tells him, honey, you're still young and stupid (laughs) in season like one, dude, or it could be two. I don't know what it is. Stuff like that gets me. So I'm just listening to lines going, whoa, some of these lines were said and the payoff wasn't until season five. What is going to be said in season eight where the payoff is in season one? And I really hope it isn't Arya reminding John where to stick the pointy end. (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm enthralled by it yeah it's, uh, it's really to, to revisit it from the beginning it is amazing how many seeds they plant early on I mean they did have the books to go on but for people like us who haven't read the books uh, it is just an un, unparalleled dense show in the way that it has all these layers of characters and plots and uh, intrigue and rivalry I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, my Game of Thrones watch party this weekend and to get into the new season. Maybe we'll talk about that on the next episode of the show. Uh, I mentioned a little bit at the top my what I've been watching. Barry, it's two episodes in. I loved the first season. I thought the first season was 
pretty much a perfect season of television. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there was that New York Times article that we talked about on an earlier uh, episode of the show that the first season of Barry was so good, we're not so sure it should come back for a second season. It was perfect. Hey, tell them who the director was for for some of the best episodes. uh, Hiro Murai, who also happened to direct the first two episodes of this season. The guy who directed the This Is America Childish Gambino Mm -hmm. video and has directed a lot of your favorite episodes of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So uh, you got some pedigree behind the camera and you got Bill Hader, Henry Winkler in front of the camera, uh, Emmy nominated Emmy winners. Uh, Bill Hader in particular is so, so good on this show. I think a lot of people, you know, only see him as this kind of comedic guy from his rubber man acts on Saturday Night Live. But he's got a surprising dramatic depth. And when he goes to those places on Barry, it, it just it resonates and it really gets under your skin. It's a really amazing show about this hitman who tries to turn himself into a better person. Can he be a better person? Is he really trying all that hard? I've been consistently impressed with the way that they've been able to uh, juggle plates and it feels like they paint themselves into a corner at the end of first season. The first season, second season has been excellent so far. Noho Hank is still the funniest character on that show. Uh, so I, I, I highly recommend it. I hope uh, you can catch up with it soon so we can talk in a little bit more detail about it. I'm excited. If anyone hasn't seen Barry season one, do it. I'm probably going to make a video after uh, Barry, is, Barry season two. I'll probably like combine both of them. Nice. So let us know what you've been watching in the comments below or by shooting us an email. The address is intercutpod at gmail.com. We're going to move down to yay or nay and talk about some of the movies that we haven't been able to talk about in the past couple weeks of the podcast. Uh, That's including Captain Marvel, Mm -hmm. Triple Frontier, and us. So if you don't want to hear spoilers (laughs) for any of those movies... Uh, make sure you hit the description below or do something. Catch up with us later. We're going to start this off with Captain Marvel, uh, the latest entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. and the last one we get before Endgame changes Marvel as we know it. Uh, this was the Brie Larson starring adventures of, with the Skrull and the Kree. I can't really keep them in order. Art, you they put let out- me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Art, you put out a video on Let Me Explain about the movie, but uh, generally, what were your thoughts after seeing it? Like, it's the same as... Did you end up seeing it? Yeah. Like, you don't watch superhero movies. That, that's, no, but I, I got this podcast, man. We got, we got stuff go, to got talk about. To do. Um, like, it's the same as all the other ones, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Uh, and, and no, because I see some people... We know we don't usually talk spoilers. If we talk spoilers, we'll usually like mention that there'll be spoilers or something. But it's the same as like uh, I, it's not Iron Man, not Guardians of the Galaxy. But in terms of Thor, Captain America one, like it, it's in the same realm of those, in my opinion. And I think it just needs time to grow. It's just I learned that I word earlier today. The optics, uh, the optics <laughs> of it. Uh, her campaigning for it and the stuff that she had said maybe could have been worded differently. Um. Articles writing about it could have worded it differently. People reacting to it could have been worded differently. But I'm not too worried about her character because I am one who believes Ant-Man is better when the Russos had him. I am one who believes Black Panther is better when the Russos had him. 
Right. So now they're directing uh, her and Captain. Uh, they're directing Captain Marvel in Endgame, and some people have already said, "I'm not watching the clips." First of all, first and foremost, and this goes to the live chat again. Just want to incorporate them in here. Shout out to live chat. Stop watching clips to Endgame. <laughs> Wait for the movie. We got a little bit. All right. I someone told me there's a clip that's out, and that she supposedly like kills it, sells it. I don't need to see the clip first and foremost, but I believe that. Yeah. I do think that the Russos are able to direct the characters a lot better than they do in their feature films. So Yeah, the Russos have found a very good tone for uh, their work in the Avengers. And I, I feel like Brie Larson is a capable enough actress that she will blend in uh, seamlessly. We like but, her. Like, yeah, we like her a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, shout out to Short Term 12 fans mm-hmm. out there. But, you know, I do think that they didn't necessarily find the right tone in Captain Marvel. Uh, where they're trying to do this like '90s throwback thing, and they're trying to do this like you get down and you f- uh, you fall down and you get right back up thing, mm-hmm. and she's both kind of like spunky but also hard nosed, and I don't know it, the character didn't necessarily feel as laser focused as the better uh, superhero movies are in my opinion i didn't think uh captain marvel was bad i thought a lot of the action sequences worked for me uh i just didn't necessarily get absorbed into her as a character yet and granted i think that uh most of the characters in the mcu i didn't really get that absorbed by their character in the first film thor it took until the third so you know we'll see we're going to get a lot more of her as Captain Marvel. I feel like maybe future installments will be a little bit better. Uh, and maybe we'll get her Civil War next or whatever that is. Uh, but for me, this one at least, it it didn't feel like it did much. That's fair. And again, uh, my biggest thing with rushing her character is just the fact that it came out like, what, a month and a half before she's supposed to be in Endgame? We got two Iron Man movies. Everyone had their solo. We had a little bit of time before we got the first Avengers. You know what I mean? And she got her movie and then goes directly into trying to defeat Thanos. But I'm not too worried about the future of it. I, I think they'll they'll be able to not necessarily fix her character, but add to her character. More people will like her by, like, I don't know, Captain Marvel 19 or something. Totally, totally. Uh, should we move on to Triple Frontier? Bro. Yo, so Triple Frontier... Triple Threat. Have you heard about that one, too? What's that? Bro, what? I don't know. Triple Threat. Okay, so there's a there's a movie called Triple Threat. And uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm a big Raid fan. Eco Y is one of my favorite uh, action stars out there. It's him. It's uh, Jai White, who some of you only know him as the dude oh. from The Dark Knight. Jai White is one of the best martial artists out there right now. Uh, super chill dude, too, as well. And then, I can't remember who else is it. There's a couple of other people. I don't know why I'm blanking them. A bunch of, like, other side of the pond, um, Asian cinema action stars that are crazy. Even some from here. Thing is insane. It's full of all these action stars. And it comes out, like, the same week Triple Frontier comes out. So I'm just like, all right, I got to make a video about Triple Frontier, Triple Threat. And then I started looking for other movies with Triple. It's got to be Triple Red or Triple Nine. Um, so it's like all these triple movies that were just popping out and stuff, but triple frontier was good. Yeah. So this is a movie that comes from director JC Chandor, who we like quite a bit. I'm a JC Chandor self-proclaimed. Uh, it also has a killer cast with Ben Affleck Mm -hmm. and, uh, Oscar Isaac, the two dudes who I can't tell apart from each other and Pedro Pascal. 
Uh, and it, I believe it was based on a Mark Bowl script, the dude who wrote The Hurt Locker, who, Probably. you know, say what you will about some of the movies he's written, but he's a capable thriller writer. Uh, I think a lot of people were surprised that this one ended up on Netflix, being that it had such a big. pedigree behind it, and that it kind of was sort of released with a whimper. It did get a one-week run in limited theaters mm. before it was on Netflix, which is notable since that's not typically the Netflix release strategy. But uh, it's available now for everybody to see. Uh, what did you like about it? I thought that the cast was pretty good, and it was more so the the writing of it. Uh, supposedly the cast was supposed to be even bigger. I don't know who the other people were, but... Uh, do you want to give the plot? Uh, yeah, so the basic plot is that uh, Oscar Isaac is working as a private contractor for, I believe, the military or something, uh, and working in South America and working against some of the drug cartels, and he basically gets information that there's a lot of money in this one drug lord's house, so he recruits some of his, from of his former... Uh, service co-servicemen. I don't know what the word is. The other equalizers. To, yeah, to go in and rob the house with him. And the crazy part is, we searched up the guy that kept saying it's El Chapo. Is that who it's supposed to be based? I don't think it's based off his story, but the guys who they were going after was El Chapo. Like I searched I, I, up his name. It that's El Chapo. <laughs> that's what they said in the movie. No, they kept saying his real name. We plugged that in. It's El Chapo. Oh, weird. I mean, they went to, what was it? It was Sinaloa, and that's where El Chapo is. I may be mistaken, but we're searching it up. I'm like, yo, that is, uh, that's, that's El Chapo. What I liked the most about it was the efficiency of it. I thought that was pretty cool. You know, like when they go in there, and like some characters were saying stuff like, um, uh, stop getting too greedy. He's like, I'm not greedy. I, I gave us a 15-minute cushion. I'm like... That makes yeah. you even more... You were greedy before you even knew there was that much <laughs> money. Um, I really like the way that they were just doing things, the efficiency of it. The way, yes. I mean, especially with us right now as we've been, like, building up the website. So for those of you who don't know, with IndyCard and everything else, Zach's been, like, building up the website and, and, like, you know, having us kind of be on the same page, like, works beautifully. And I don't know how many of you have seen that 5 o'clock, the 5 a.m. Marine who was really big on, like, wake up every day at 5 a.m. Right, because right, right. things work efficiently. Seeing this movie, I was like, yo, I am so used to... We all know group projects. We all know coworkers. No one is ever on the same yeah. page. Bro, these guys, like, not even shooting each other because they knew the... They knew how to clean up everything. Like, the efficiency. They felt like real yeah. Marines. To the, I feel like a lot of heist movies, you get this kind of, like, ragtag group. An actor and it's not playing necessarily, a Marine? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's not necessarily supposed to be quite as precise. Like, even a movie like Ocean's Eleven, where they're very cool about mm -hmm. it, uh, they still they still make mistakes and stuff. Yeah. But there's a military precision to the, the way that they carry this it. out. Like, that That was pretty interesting, and I thought was an interesting twist on what is otherwise a kind of familiar idea. Mm -hmm. So I really like the execution of the first half of the movie, the way that they were able to uh, infiltrate this house and very, very like systematically go about stealing the money and getting out of there. Yeah. Um, what did you think though, when they are actually on the run and trying to extract this money, the second half of the movie? Um, I'm hearing some people in the chat kind of saying that the writing was interesting, but they thought it was a little bit boring. Uh, again, we're talking about Triple Frontier on Netflix. I enjoyed it mostly because I like, uh, for me, 
the difference wasn't, oh, this is bad writing. There's a difference between bad writing and then a character making a really idiotic decision. Do you get what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I know some people were complaining. They're like, oh, when they meet the townspeople, like, why would you do that? It's like, okay, I get what, like, you think would happen. But the writing makes sense in terms of these characters who are like, we know the domino effect. Everyone's right. And go. they're tr- they're being portrayed as flawed characters. Yeah. Like, they're not Ben Affleck's yeah. greed is like a consistent thing that his character yeah. uh, portrays in the movie. So I wasn't too much against it, especially with the things uh, that happened towards the last last act. I'm, I was OK with it because I thought it was entertaining. It kept it kept me intrigued. What did you think about the final final line or piece of paper? <laughs> I mean, I. I'd be down for quadruple frontier if that's what they're supposed to, they're implying. Why was it triple frontier? Uh, Is one border, no? Well, I, yeah, but you gotta, you gotta add a number for the sequel, don't you? Was, no, but it's like the Mexican border. What was the other yeah. border? I have no idea. Well, I know the third border was their friendship. <laughs> they, they had to get over the, the friends we made along the way. Yeah, that was, that was the obstacle. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I, I did, I was less entertained by the second half of the movie. I felt, uh, it sort of, get a little more plotting and you know, they come up against the same question again. Like how, how much of an, how difficult are we going to make this on ourselves just to try and get out with all of this money, even though this is clearly becoming a bad idea and becoming worse idea as we go along. Uh, that donkey shot off the mountain when the, that was wild, dude. First that was, of all, I was not ready for that. <laughs> as someone who has seen those cliffs, like, I, I think the actual cliffs, uh, yeah. no, absolutely not. That was, yeah, that was kind of crazy. Um, uh, but yeah, what about you? Are you, are you down for a return to Triple Frontier? I liked it. I thought it made sense. Some people were complaining going, did they not learn their lesson? And I'm like, guys, that was, that was the lesson <laughs> that they don't learn their lesson. This is like masculinity to the fullest. Of course they don't. Yeah. Like, what it, did you think it was, was very happen? like macho movie. Right. And then someone goes, I didn't see it going. They're like, what did you think? Yeah, of course it was going this way. Yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I'm just, it goes back to what we've been talking about intercuts since like what intercut number three <laughs> does Netflix just bury things, man. Yeah. Yeah. Could this movie um, have been bigger if it was out? Would it have lost if it was out? We say that too. A lot of people are like, put the movie out in theaters so more people will know about it. And they may know about it, but the movie could lose money. Yeah. I mean, I just find it hard to imagine with that kind of cast, if you give it like an even decent marketing run, mm-hmm. it'd probably be a movie that a lot of people saw in theaters. I, I feel like I'd, it, it, it's the kind of movie that people go see in theaters, mm-hmm. not the movie you'd expect from Netflix. But I'm, I'm glad I got to see it on Netflix. It, you know... I'm always uh, I'm always in favor of more work from J.C. Chandor. So, yep. although it, I I might say it's my least favorite of his movies, no, no, just no, because no, I have no, a no, 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 no. high high lost. bar with it. All his loss is dead last. My man can record a commercial. <sighs> yeah, maybe, maybe. My man can make a YouTube video reacting to I don't know what. That'll be better than all his loss. And all his loss is not a bad movie. I just but I saw like there was five all his loss that came out that year in like 2014 mm-hmm. or whenever it was. It's like y'all lost at sea, and yeah, buried. <laughs> and yeah, exactly, yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bad. It was just like this is good. I just I can't say anything more of it because I already saw the 10 out of 10 version of this. So it's 10 out All of 10, right. but not good. So let's move on to the movie everybody wants to hear us talk about. It's 
Us, Jordan Peele's follow-up to Get Out. Uh, so at this point, we're just going to have to uh, stop to Let Me Explain. <laughs> Thanks for joining, <laughs> Thanks for joining us. us. It's been really fun. Again, who have been watching live as we stream on Let Me Explain, but I made the oath. I can't be talking about us. We have yet to have this discussion. Yeah. We still have Bandersnatch to talk about, really. But uh, <laughs> again, for the, for, for the people who are watching this live... And again, this is going to be live streamed on Let Me Explain. We're going to try to do it every single week. But at some point, uh, it's going to just be like, unlike the pod, the those live streams that I have right now that stay up for like a day before I uh, unlist them and it lives there on the community tab, you either watch the live stream or you got to wait until it goes back up. So not only do we get a little head start, but we always do this where... Some people ask me, like, what are your thoughts on this? I'm like, I'll, I'll go to the Intercut Podcast. We always talk about my initial thoughts. Um, I hated us when I first saw it. Really? I despised it. I thought it was the dumbest thing. I even tweeted it. I yet to even delete the tweet. I think it was like he had set up all these Django pieces, and I was like, you know what would be really cool if I yeah. did this? And then it just falls on his face. And it took me a bit. I had said it took me a bit to like kind of realize, okay, there's, there's a bunch of other stuff that's going on here, and I respect the filmmaker. If I watch yeah. a Denny movie, there's there's a list. Denny, Jordan Peele, uh, Paul Thomas, Paul Thomas, Garland. You know, when I saw Annihilation, I was like, "All right, this is interesting." Uh, I don't I don't get the point of it, but you know what? I'm gonna be on me, and that's that's like I make this confession because a lot of people feel like you gotta like love something right away, and if you don't, you don't want to tell anyone. Dude, it's completely okay. I know some people look up to like the let me explain that we do. I'm telling you right now, dude, hate a movie. That's not a bad thing. The bad thing is when you just immediately, which I guess I kind of did, immediately just spew that out there before informing yourself. We are obviously huge on the idea that just because you didn't understand a movie, that doesn't make it a bad movie. Right. You didn't understand it. I have faith in Jordan Peele. I go and I do my, uh, I do my research on it. I'm okay with not being the first video out. Um, but clearly, uh, a lot of other people started doing explain videos, and I felt I was like, I mean, they they've got it now. I mean, I was mentioning in the live stream as uh, as well. Sheesh, um, everyone does it now. You know what I mean? And my grandma started mm-hmm. a YouTube channel uh, in Spanish. They come explicar. I was like, Grandma, sheesh, stop taking the stop taking the vibe, bro. Everyone had it, so I'm personally waiting to make the let me explain once the movie comes out so I could talk about it a bit more. Um, I don't think it's a masterpiece, but I think there's a lot of things that people are still missing. And I, I uh, as we always say, some movies are better discussed than watching again. There are so mm-hmm. many interesting things to talk about. Be- best price I can give it, this man created a new term with Get Out, which was uh, the, uh, sunken place. the sunken place. We use it in everyday jargon. Bro, tethered. I, I've been using it. I've seen other people use it. It's a very easy one to use for. Let me explain an A to Z. It's super easy to use. Who's this yeah? Tethered? I mean, I think whether you liked us or hated us, whether you liked or hated Get Out, the inarguable fact about Jordan Peele as a filmmaker Get is he has out. an eye for iconic visuals mm-hmm. and iconic. I like ideas that get buried in your mind. All right. You know, he, he, he's very good at giving you these things that are going to resonate and get, let you, and you can forget about most of the movie and remember that idea. And that's what people are talking about. So I, I got to give Jordan Peele credit for that at the very least, because he, he's in such a short time has become such a great visual stylist. True. Now the argument has been, 
I agree with you. But it's the same thing that happens with, hold on, especially since this girl, Haley Lou Richardson, is in it. Yo, a lot. Alan Magana, they know. Haley Lou Richardson. Someone said review five feet <laughs> or five feet apart. <laughs> Haley Lou Richardson. Thank you. Someone watches the Intercut podcast on Let Me Explain. I like that. Shout out to Roger. Yeah, because I think we have the uh, we have our argument. This has nothing to do with the Us review, but that's how the Intercut podcast goes. Uh, I always say, uh, Haley Lou Richardson, you say who? Oh, Mackenzie Davis? No, no, no. I know Mackenzie Davis is your girl, but we were comparing... This is such a sexist talk, but we were comparing <laughs> actress-wise. Uh, what, Zoe Dutch? <laughs> Zoe Deutsch, yeah, her. Yeah. In between the two, I always say Haley Lou all the way, but uh, yeah, shout out to you. We are listening to the chat a little bit there, but in terms of us, the argument is he's just Tarantino. Those aren't his visual shots. That's a shot straight up from The Shining. So we can thank him for the homage, but we can't give him credit for the two twins dead on the floor because that's ripped from The Shining. A lot of stuff are from Jaws, the diopter shot, Jaws and uh, the Palma. A yeah. lot of people would argue that he's just the logic. I just infuriate a bunch of logic fans where he makes entertaining stuff, but it's just a repackaging. Yeah, I, I don't I don't believe that. I mean, it, what are we going to limit uh, anytime somebody wants to use a split diopter, it's yes. like, oh, you're just trying to be De Palma now. Like it's like rap, bro. You can't steal the flows. <laughs> Once <laughs> everything, everything is influenced by something, and you know, I, you can look the at camera. the glove, and the, I, I would say the glove is something that is very visually appealing uh, in, in us. It's a, but it's so clearly influenced by Freddy Krueger. That doesn't mean it's bad. Well, I, I see it as being influenced by Thriller. That too. And that's where the red jacket comes in, which again, that's more into the spoiler Easter egg type of ter territory. But how do you feel it holds up as a movie? I think these are the type of movies as I've been criticized before <laughs> where you can review it from the perspective of my LME people, as I would say, who, who like the basics, just like the emotions. And then there's the theme sides of it, right? Right. Obviously, I'm, let me explain. I'm just like breaking down the plot. And I think you could divide this movie between is it a good horror movie? Or is it, as we like to talk about, one that has these interesting themes? So let's talk about it as a right. horror movie. Do you think uh, the plot in and of itself, forget the themes, does it hold up? The plot? Uh, you know, I think that horror movie plots in general can be a little bit loose with their mythology and things can not add up quite as well as you would want them to in a perfectly logical world. So there are things that I'll forgive okay. in a movie like us. Uh, you know, a lot of people talk about the twists and the, the final twist and whether or not that even makes sense. And that's one for me that I'm kind of willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm, uh, for me, I found the plot wa was engaging, but not necessarily, you know, invigorating or uh, I, I thought the world of the tethered wasn't necessarily one that was uh, com nearly as compelling as some of the ideas that he's had in Get Out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think that. The plot was mostly just for me, like the vehicle to get to the more interesting thematic stuff or the more interesting visual stuff. It wasn't something I was heavily invested in. Do you think it's a good horror movie? I. It's okay. I think it's okay as a horror movie. I think uh, both Get Out and Us are not the scariest things. They're more social commentaries that have thriller elements to them. Mm. 
but yeah, I mean, as a horror movie, I found it just okay. So that's where it kind of blends in into if you had to pick between Nightmare on Elm Street and Babadook, you're the type of person who would pick Babadook. I picked the Blumhouse movie. No, I'm just kidding. But it's that. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock is known as the master of horror, but I don't think anyone watches it right now going like, ah! No one yeah, watches exactly. Psycho going like that. They just watch Psycho going it's like, It's about the suspense Ugh. and the thrills. Yeah. I see Jordan Peele as being, and I know everyone says this, and can we break this down and give me the rebuttal because we're always on Twitter. Someone says he's the next um, Alfred Hitchcock. Someone goes, why does he have to be the next Alfred Hitchcock? Why can't he be the next Jordan Peele? first Jordan Peele. To which then someone goes, it's because Alfred Hitchcock is his biggest influence, to which other people will go, well, does that mean we're not going to call the next person the newest Jordan Peele and it's a sign of respect, yada, yada, yada. I see that in terms of my man said no to Marvel. Yeah. You heard about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. He said, he said, erase my number. Erase <laughs> my number? So that started, it got me thinking. I was like, okay, so this man really wants his like filmography to be all these different movies. And I start thinking, who has a filmography like that? And I start going, Hitchcock. Right. I start thinking Kubrick. Other than 2001 sequel, does Kubrick have any other sequels? Even The Shining is so far removed from the book, as we know. That they're all his individual stuff. Right. That's a different type of filmography as, say, and we were thinking about this. Who who did Captain Marvel? We had this joke the other day. Uh, Anna Fleck and Ryan Bowden. They did... Mississippi Grind. And Lars and the Real Girl, if I'm not mistaken, right? Maybe. They were doing a bunch of indie films. And we were. I was looking through their filmography and I went, that's funny. Indie films, big blockbuster. And I started right. going, can you imagine in the future when they're packaged, coll- like you can buy the Hitchcock collection, the, uh, you know, the Jordan Peele collection It's going to look like that. Yeah. And I thought in the future, okay, maybe let me put those to the side. Can you imagine Barry Jenkins? You want to watch uh, Melancholy. What's the full name of the first one? Medicine for Melancholy. Medicine for Melancholy, right? You want to watch Moonlight. Moonlight. You want to watch If Beale Street Could Talk. I don't know what his next one is, but like 15 years from now, he's going to come out with some like crazy classic, right? And those people are going to be like, man, I want to go back and see like where it all started. Can you imagine picking up the Barry Jenkins collection and in between there, there's like a Marvel movie that he did? Right. That's weird. Yeah. No, Jordan Peele definitely feels like he's... Thinking about his, his entire brand. filmography, uh, I've heard some interviews with him talking about Us, and he says there are a lot of ways in which Us was directly uh, wanted to contradict some of the things he did in Get Out. Mm-hmm. The way that Get Out was very much a story about race. He wanted this to be a story starring a black family, but that is not explicitly about race, um, which mm-hmm. I th- found interesting. The, the most interesting thing that I found, and I don't know if this makes um, us better or worse, to be honest, is that he talks about the movie as a kind of Rorschach test. And I see that too, because... So the trailer, the the metaphor of uh, who the who the tethered are and what are the societies underneath us that keep us lifted up. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can be applied to so many different people. You talk to me about how 
uh, he had men- Jordan Peele had mentioned the idea of Native Americans and occupied land. Yeah. Uh, w- I came out of the screening and heard people talking about immigration mm-hmm. and uh, whether or not we're supporting illegal immigrants. There's people who are talking about it as a big political metaphor about Democrats and Republicans. And I, I think it's genuinely impressive to have a movie where the the meaning of it can be so uh, interpreted based on your worldview. Whether or not that's good, I don't know. It For me, it's definitely not as interesting as Get Out, where we can have a very specific conversation yeah. uh, about the things that he's talking about, uh, in, which are, you know, mm-hmm. really interesting and come from a very... A uh, very unique point of view. That to me is always going to make for the better movie. But I did find that interesting about us. In terms of in terms of themes, I think this movie works better as something to talk about outside of the movie as opposed to rewatching it. And I say this by starting off with a big, huge shout out to one of my favorite movies, and I say you would agree as well, Enemy. Yep. That is a movie where it distinctly has a uh, a theme. And to me, it's about adultery. It's about this guy fighting with his doppelganger because he's gonna—he's about to cheat on his pregnant wife. Do you agree or disagree? To an extent, <laughs> I feel like that's one hundred percent what it is. Like, yeah, that's why he's always at like at a brothel and different things like that. Right, right, right. Uh, so to me, like that's what the spiders represent. Because at one point the spider is like his mom, and the spider is all that. I mean, that's that's getting into a whole other thing. But that gets into the subconscious of it, right? Peel's trying to do something that's very subconscious horror, which is just the idea of having a doppelganger is weird. So let's go on from that. Like you said, the iconography of just showing you something that, I mean, people are already dressing up as the tethered. Yeah. It's an easy costume. It's, 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 yeah, it's crazy. But do you believe not every interpretation could be right? Well, I don't know about that. Uh, if because he says that it's not, I put a black family because of the same reason I like searching, right? They're Asian because why not? Not right. they're Asian because that's the plot point. As right. Get Out was. Get Out, it is a plot point. And that's what that's what that's how it works in the movie. But here it was just like, no, this is just the family we're focusing on. And personally, I like that idea. I like how it's a horror. The horror trope was black people dying first. And now it's a black guy who's like owning the genre. Yeah. That's that's one of the best parts about it. If the movie, if he's telling you that the point of his movie was to reflect on us, he said this multiple times. We always blame somebody else, but what if we realize we were the problem? And then people come out going, this movie's about Trump. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> this movie's about the Democrats. Uh, this movie's about immigration. And they start doing the complete opposite, which was supposed to be this is a reflection of yourself. Think Black or the Berry. Everyone likes the parts of Black or the Berry, the verses that are calling out somebody else. But the moment that it was self-reflection, even though Kendrick said that it was supposed to be his self-reflection, not other people's, Mm -hmm. then people don't want to do that. I feel like he built this whole movie and that's why the twist is the twist it is. Because it's from the perspective that you don't want to admit your own problems and it's always easier to say it was somebody else's fault. So I think you can legitimately say every theme or theory coming out Doing the complete opposite of looking at yourself is wrong. Or it just shows that it's making his point. We'll blame somebody else and never us. That's that's true. But the who us is and who they is 
can change. Sure, and I think the, the idea of the movie doesn't. And because us versus them is such a wide uh, idea that's, you know, been so inter- that's been so cru- crucial throughout history. Yeah. I think it just inevitably is something that you can kind of paste onto all these different ideas. And that doesn't necessarily make them wrong. If somebody sees the movie and thinks it's about immigration, I don't think they're wrong. Right. They're not wrong uh, with it. Yeah. Which gets us into the death of the author thing, which is a whole nother discussion. Now I'm ready for that one. Cause I don't know why they got to die. <laughs> they could just sit it out. You know what I mean? I love whiplash. I've said that multiple times. Damien Chazelle sees the ending completely different than the way I see it. I don't think he's got to die. Right. But right. again, if his purpose was for it to be about movie about self-reflection and no one self-reflects, is that a failure on his part? Cause this was something that was brought up for this is America where a lot of people said him not explaining what it meant or him saying this is America, but it's a black man doing the shooting. Not to get too much into it, but people are saying if you're trying to reflect about somebody else, but you changed the optics on it, then is it doing more harm than good? Or is the message not fully getting across if it's supposed to be about self-reflection? You're not doing that. Well, I think, you know, we we have to ask some uh, something of our audiences when interpreting art. You know, the... Uh, yeah, the person who created the art is ultimately the one who's going to uh, be, you know, set us up for what we're going to see. But just because you don't get it doesn't mean it's unsuccessful. Sometimes you need to dive a little deeper or or learn where the person's coming from. Because, mm-hmm. you know, everything is interpretable through different lenses and through different experiences. People in other countries watch American movies go, a different what? way than Americans do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I, I think uh, even if not everybody got it, it's in, it's okay. I there. Doesn't make it better than Get Out, though. Which okay, so I, you, I you that, definitely, you feel that that's, that's the point of it. What? Uh that uh, definitively, in your mind, Get Out is the better movie because of just the way it was done. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. that it takes I mean, away I thought, from us, but that it's just that. Yeah, I mean, I thought Get Out was uh, a more interesting premise, a more specific idea, uh, and something that just felt more novel okay. than us did. Uh, I'll bring this up real quick, and I know we'll probably wrap up with it in a bit. Uh, I have a question over here to wrap up the us talk. Max Tracy says, I feel art loses some of its meaning if it's explained afterwards by the creator. I don't. What do you think? I mean, that's a really interesting question because, you know, it can depend on the piece of art as mm-hmm. well. Can, it, sometimes an artist ends up negating the the uh, interpretations that have been made of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes you can shine shine a light on it. And I personally like when an artist is willing to shine a light on where did this piece of art come from? What inspired this? I think it... it it's interesting to then analyze what was done in order to interpret this idea into a piece of art. You know, you draw somebody and inevitably, you know, you make their nose look a little bit bigger or Mm. their eyes seem a little smaller. And I think uh, knowing where an artist is coming from provides additional interesting context with which you can uh, analyze a piece of art. Even if it contradicts your initial viewpoint of the movie, right? Yeah, because I also feel like, you know, just because an artist says something doesn't necessarily deny you your experience of it. I think about all the movies that have been kind of like claimed by the gay community 
and aren't necessarily Yo, gay movies. The LGBT community is wild. Like they don't mess around, bro. They, it's like I, yeah. I can't remember what comedian I was saying, what I was hearing, and they pretty much said the LGBT community is like the most clever community. They took the rainbow. Mm-hmm. And someone they, said they, that all they need to do is whoever does backlash against them, just claim that icon and you will ruin them. That is the right. most mobster. Like that's so <laughs> that's the it's crazy. But I agree with you. We worked on a short film that had just premiered. Uh, I, I helped edit it. It was called The Boy Who Lived in a Tree. And it's about mm-hmm. this boy. It's kind of like the giving tree type of thing. And this mm-hmm. tree always like provides the boy with everything. And then the boy at a certain point decides to leave the tree and go somewhere else, but he does not explain to the mother. We got this. We showed it to a couple of people. Like I was showing it to people and they're like, oh, it's a coming out story. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Right. And then we realized that was the pitch to the movie, even though the director saw something completely different. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I personally, I know some people uh, were saying right now in the live chat that they feel it kind of takes away from it. But I, Let's see. I don't know. I feel it's better when the artist explains the art before it's released. An opposite one is uh, it puts a limit to where the art can go and the conversation by fans is dead because we then have an answer. But that's just my opinion. See, I, I, I personally kind of see it differently than that. Because, um, again, if, if the author says something, then the fans are dead. So the rebuttal to that is, well, kill the author, death of the author, and the fans aren't dead. I think mm-hmm. both can have it because everyone always says that good art should not be explained. What are you talking about? I don't think you should limit what it means, but every time a let me explain is done, there's an emphasis on the what, Zach? The me. It's what it means to me. So, yeah, I'm also curious what Jordan Peele has to say about it. Why is his viewpoint invalid? I don't think it should be. Right. Like, it can can add context, or if that's not really how you react to the piece of art, then you can kind of ignore it. I, I know a lot of people, and they're, they're mentioned, uh, Jenks mentions this in the chat, there's a lot of people who are not listening to whatever J.K. Rowling says about Harry Potter. Oh, that's, a different, that's a whole different conversation, but if you want to have it, we've <laughs> kind of had it at points. I was always yeah. confused about that, because she's always the first one that comes up about Death of the Author, and then I yeah. realized that... I don't know if that's JK's thing. JK wants to get credit. I never got it. Like, it confused me. I was like, why are you all mad at JK? She wrote the books. Like, you can't tell her she's the one who wrote the story, which is what I get at, where if Us has a sequel, how can we say Jordan Peele's input isn't important if he's the one continuing the story? Um, Some have brought out the fansplaining. You heard about the guy who created Yoda being told by the fans that he doesn't own Yoda because he only created him in a couple years and this guy spent 30 years with Yoda and it's like, do you see how Death of the Author can kind of swing to the other side? Um, Nah, JK's is weird. And if you want to elaborate on this, JK wants to get credit from the LGBT community and, and from immigrants without actually putting the work in. Yeah, I mean, she has a history. She has a history of basically, uh, retconning, I think is the term. Different, uh, different elements of the Harry Potter books saying, uh, Dumbledore was gay the whole time. Mm -hmm. And maybe, maybe it's in there. I don't really read that closely enough to say, but the, a lot of times it feels kind of like unnecessary or superfluous at the very least. I, I think that a lot of the ones that I've seen, Besides, like, Under the Skin and, again, Enemy, where he made... Yo, this man made them sign a contract. Then Yvonne said, oh, you joining? You got to sign this contract to never tell anybody what this is about. But there there clearly is something. Like, we were talking about Annihilation, Enemy, even Us. 
there is always a in order to direct the movie and for it, for it to be uh, efficient, there needs to be what an actual theme that everyone is following along. Right. Even if it's going to be different for everybody else, they need to have a standard. The production designers need to know what's going on. Like, what's the theme here? Because it has to reflect in in the production design and the costume design and the script, all of it. So they have something. I am always interested to hear it. And I don't think it kills the discussion for everybody else, but it needs to be there. Sometimes, hey, yo, sometimes the director don't even know. That's where I have a problem <laughs> with it. That's where I have a problem with it. So I think it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk about South by movies a little bit before you get this call? Uh, yeah, dude. What? Yeah. Before I get the call. And again, make sure you just ask Zach a bunch of questions. Get to know him. Some of you don't know Zach. <laughs> Zach has been here for the longest time. Like Zach has been the dude. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm about to get a call in a little bit and then we're just going to continue out the podcast. But what do you want to know? I made the video for the South by thing. It was my first year at South by. I thought it was pretty dope. Yeah. So, um, you know, it seems like the festival features a lot of comedies, a lot of like crowd pleasers. Mm-hmm. Were those the movies you liked most? Were was it the movies like I know you loved Peanut Butter Falcon? Like, yeah, what like what struck ones. you about uh, the the slate as a whole? Bro, it was a, good, it was a good balance. Uh, good Boys have not stopped talking about it. One of the funniest movies of this year, I can officially say, and I'm telling you this because. Um, if I ever say something is like the ending of Whiplash, that's a really big deal. It got close this year with one movie that we mentioned at Sundance. But yeah. like, you know how I hate when people say the best boxing movie of the decade. Right. I, if you make that claim, I don't want to hear you till 11 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I made that claim for Creed. I, I haven't said it since. This is the funniest movie since Superbad, in my opinion. In Damn. my opinion. And I've said this. And I can say this because it's been a month, almost two. So I mm-hmm. solidified in that. Love Good Boys, Peanut Butter Falcon, uh, very small movie. Dude came out, just like said hi to everybody. Like I, I always love that. Uh, the movie could still be trash, and I can say, yo, that guy's the nicest guy. The movie's trash though, but to be that nice, come out barefoot in the sun, wait and say hi to everybody who's waiting in line for your movie. That shows me a lot, and I think it's also displayed in the movie. It's one of the best movies. Um, it's my favorite movie of South by. I love that movie. I'm surprised, you know, as someone who has a sister with Down syndrome and, like, kind of knows the world, I've seen it talked about a little bit, but, yo, like, the groups, you know, like, the, the, the yeah, special yeah, yeah. needs groups lost it when uh, the actress with Down syndrome was in Glee. And I'm like, bro, that was, bro, come on, that, that's the one that got your attention? This is a movie where, where, this, where this actor with Down syndrome is the lead. He has gotten standing ovations. None of you are talking about it. We say this all the time. Uh... Uh, what goes trending? Scarlett Johansson, because she wants to play a transgender. What doesn't go trending? Fantastic woman That's winning woman. an Oscar. Yep. Zach, go. <laughs> uh, I'm really excited for Good Boys, especially since the marketing around it is pretty much pitching it as middle school super bad, and you seem to uh, agree with that. So I have a theory. Another movie that's been getting a lot of the super bad buzz is Booksmart. Uh, I know that we've been talking about that recently. It's the directorial debut Olivia from Olivia Wilde. Wilde. Uh, got Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein as the leads. Do you like this one as well, right? I liked it just as much, and I can tell you... The jokes that didn't hit me, I'm so glad because I always say this. I don't believe a movie should be completely universal. If it's too universal to me, how the heck is it going to be funny to the person who has a different viewpoint than I do? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, 
I think it got screenings yesterday. Shout out uh, our buddy Fernando, Border Logic. He's on the chat right now. I They <laughs> went to go see it yesterday, and a lot of people did. So a lot of people were out there watching it. I don't know if there was a super advanced screening of it. I know it comes out in a month, but this is it's this one's going to hit. This one's going to hit a huge demographic that has been waiting for this movie. There have been some that have come close, right? But there was a lot of streaming services before Spotify. <laughs> this is the Spotify of this perspective, this comedy. It uh, did better, Twitter. Yo, y'all can't be complaining about wanting this movie and when it finally gets here, not promote it. So I'm going to say. Uh, one movie that I'm super excited about uh, and the fact that I saw you liked it made me very happy. The Art of Self-Defense with Jesse Eisenberg. If there's ever been a you comedy, like if there was ever a movie where you are the one. Drier than the desert. Yes, if, if, if that where you're the person on the poster, right? And not Peter <laughs> Travers. This is the movie for you. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Uh, Riley Stearns is an interesting filmmaker. I, I liked his last movie, Faults. It wasn't amazing, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm, amazing cast. Do you think this is a step up? I mean, this seems like a perfect role for Jesse Eisenberg. Uh, it's... How do I put this? So you remember how, like, everyone said John Bernthal was, like, born to be the Punisher? Uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. Who else can possibly be Freddie Mercury? Obviously, Academy Award winning <laughs> Rami Malek. <laughs> um, I can't think of a better role since the social network that he's been in. I don't think he could pass the social network, but man, this is his comedy. I never knew he was this funny. Like, right. like he's the type of guy where when he says something funny, you don't know if he knows, mm-hmm. but this one, he knows this one. He knows he came in as a comedy and we're not laughing at him. He's laughing with us. As I think a lot of the times he's usually the butt of the joke because of how awkward he is. Yeah. Art of self-defense is literally the opposite. And dude, you're going to love this movie. I'm so excited for it. All right, so uh, those were some of the movies that you liked best. I, I know that you also liked the Who Let the Dogs Out documentary. Not as good uh, as the... Amazing Jonathan from Sundance, which uh, I'm not calling it the searching of this year. Yo, we, when we <laughs> met with um, Sav, he was telling me. I was, uh, when I met him at, uh, at Sundance, I bumped into him, and he, he was talking about He's like, yo, so what are the best movies you've seen? I was like, well, everyone keeps asking me, what's the searching of this year? And he's laughing. Sav, again, being the producer of searching. And he's yeah. like, dude, that's hilarious. I was like, probably uh, Amazing Jonathan documentary. Not only is it the best documentary I've seen this year, it's one of the best movies I've seen this year. Uh, at South Spy, I saw Who Let the Dogs Out. In the same realm of type of documentary as Amazing Jonathan, not up there, but still a movie y'all have to have on your radar. It's Dope. hilarious. It's profound. Interesting. And it's about the Baja. Man. No, it's about you letting the dogs out. Wait till they throw it on you. <laughs> like, did I let the dogs out? Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, awesome. So, yeah, a bunch of movies that you saw at South by Southwest mm-hmm. that I'm excited to uh, check out as well. Uh, what do you think? Should we hit it? Hit some more viewer questions or uh, are we, we going to get to v- topic of the week? Uh, yeah, let's let's get like a little five, ten minute thing on some viewer questions as I see somewhere on there. Uh, did we have any specific questions like on Twitter or something or just off the live stream? Uh, just off the live stream. I, I see a couple people want to know our thoughts on Santa Clarita diet. And uh, the most that I can say about that is I only saw the first episode and quit. My sister loves it. There we go. Yeti is the best microphone to use. I see Christian asking. Uh, what's a great trailer? 
That's an interesting one. I can break it down in like 10 seconds. A great trailer to me should not spoil anything past the second half. Absolutely nothing from the third act. I am okay with the trailer creating scenes that are not in the movie as long as it keeps the mm-hmm. same tone. Not baiting you into thinking that what hap- or it comes at night is a horror type of movie when it was really something else. And then you're ruining the director's vision. Yeah, I think uh, basically going off what you said, a great trailer is something that establishes the tone but doesn't ruin the story, mm-hmm. right? And for me, I think about a couple trailers. I think about uh, maybe the first trailer for Nightcrawler, which used a lot of footage that wasn't actually really? in the movie. It was that uh, you got to buy a ticket to win the lotto speech mm-hmm. and him doing it from a bunch of different uh areas that were covered in the movie and you just got the idea that he's this kind of twisted ambitious character but it didn't spoil anything that happens in the movie another one that i loved uh is the trailer for the coen brothers movie a serious man which kind of Mm. makes music out of some of the sound effects in the film but doesn't really show you much other than the lead character freaking out that's a hard movie to spoil anyway but uh i generally like that trailer uh as one of my uh, favorite trailers that doesn't spoil much. Black Mass, I think, was a good trailer. I personally love trailers where they focus in on one scene. Because yeah. then it's just one scene. It shows you that they're confident and that the scenes are worked together. If you ever watch a movie and it just feels like a trailer, it's like not yeah. one scene is cohesive. you got to take bits of it. I was like, oh, this works better as a trailer. Black Mass was good. I think it was better than the movie. Um, someone just brought up the new Joker one. I think it's decent. Solid trailer. A solid fan trailer for the movie Taxi Driver uh, remake. Yeah. Uh, other, than, <laughs> other than that, any any other trailers that? Uh, you talked about the one scene trailer. I remember the maybe the first trailer for the Disaster Artist was just yeah. the Ohio Mark scene. I loved that. Trying to do that. The Toy Story four teaser I think is better than the actual trailer where they set mm-hmm. up the scene of of uh, Key and Peele talking about there being a new yeah. new one. And also just, you know, a great trailer often has a great song. Uh, I think about the way that I can't think about uh, Paper Planes by M.I.A. without seeing the Pineapple Express Express trailer. That happens a lot. You know, so that helps a lot, too. Or uh, Can't Fight the Feeling. (laughs) And then just being the the Mission Impossible one. Uh, Let's see. we got another one over here. Someone had asked, have you seen Summer of 84? If so, thoughts to get asked twice. I, I did. Again. Uh, a lot of people ask us like movies that we've covered. We usually mention them on the Intercut podcast. Sometimes I, I won't be able to make a whole video on a movie because then that would be like 40 LMEs in a week. But we do mention it here and there. I had actually mentioned that for Sundance because I caught Summer of 84 at Sundance uh, a while back. And I had a whole full video about it. Um, so my quick thoughts on it was I, I think it's a perfect Netflix movie. And I don't like the ending, believe it or not. I think it was an interesting viewpoint. But I think the ending was like. If you're not going to secure a sequel, do not do a cliffhanger. There ain't no Summer of 85 coming out. And if there is, then I'll go change my mind. But the fact that I need to see the follow-up, it should be able to stand on its own a little bit. But uh, you never saw Summer of 84? Nah, I missed I that I think one. it's from the people who did Turbo Kid. Yeah, yeah. So they had that 80s style. Cool. Uh, let's see. Thoughts on Identical Strangers? Oh, come on, Emotion. Bro, that was in our top of the list there. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, we love three identical Yo, whenever strangers. someone asks me, huge fan, have you seen Searching? Sir! What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> huge fan. I've watched every video. Um, no, we did like Identical tr- Strangers a lot. I have a whole video on it as well. Uh, ooh, Charlie, appreciate the, the donation over here. Best horror thriller. I've seen Annihilation, Annihilation, so 
your best horror thriller best horror thriller um I have Get Out on my brain just because we were talking, we were about, talking about us earlier. Um, best horror thriller. I personally am a big fan of The Others. I really love yeah, the, yeah. the Others. I know some people are – I love it. I still think it stands up. I think that should be the sixth sense of this generation, but sixth sense came out earlier, and sixth sense <laughs> is sixth sense. Have you seen Take Shelter? Take Shelter is Sh- one that I like a lot. Is that a horror? I don't it's know. It's scary. Kind of on the edge of horror. Yeah, the ending is. Yeah, the ending is definitely horrific. Those are fair. Those are good ones. Yeah. Um, hey, my guy, make longer vids. We do. We have 53 <laughs> hour-long videos on the Intercut Podcast. That's exactly why we want to live stream it here. Because uh, some of you guys long. don't know about it. Yeah, super long. And if you watch the live stream, some say it goes for four <laughs> hours. Uh, no, so yeah, most definitely. And especially some stuff on ADC. What DC movie did you think was the worst? Of the recent ones, Suicide Squad. Really? Suicide Squad was your least favorite of all of them? That wasn't even a movie. Yeah, what do you say? <laughs> Suicide Squad is getting a sequel, and it's not a sequel. It's just a straight reboot. Yeah. Okay, so Batman v Superman has a 26% around Tomatoes. That's not disrespectful. That's a division between the people who believe in it and everything else. Do you know what's disrespectful? The same studio coming out with another movie and pretending it never even existed. <laughs> I cannot think of anything else more disrespectful than that. The closest thing I can think of was when both Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire found out they weren't Spider-Man anymore. Let's see the news. And the next guy got cast. That is still second to an entire production being told, yeah, you never happened. (laughs) Bro, what's the biggest song from that one? It was Heathens. Even 21 Pilots pretends like it wasn't a part of the soundtrack. Do you even understand the disrespect this movie was given? It's insane. It's crazy. That's my viewpoint uh, on it. Yeah. I think they're all bad. So uh, let's see. Uh, have you seen Hellboy yet? I've never seen any Hellboy, so I will be viewing my Uncle Coron. Uncle Coron. Wrong, wrong Theo. My Theo Guillermo's uh, Hellboy movies for the first time and watching Hellboy tomorrow. Do you care about Hellboy? Not particularly. I mean, I think David Harbour is charming. So if it gets, gets good reviews, I'll probably check out the new one. Should be good. Uh, let's see. We'll answer three more, and then we'll get into the topic of the week. Let's see. What cool. do you think about the new Joker movie? I had mentioned my thoughts in the live stream. I I'm excited for it. So you know, you... I think we're actually going to get this, get into this, into topic of the week. All right, we'll so maybe let's. One. All right, yeah. let's see. Phantom Thread Dog. Let's hear some love. Oh, what are you talking about? It's my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. In fact, you can go to the Intercut Podcast we have and check out a whole after it. credits about it. Uh, we loved Phantom Thread. Adore Phantom Thread. People slept yeah, I mean, on Phantom Thread. The just the back and forth of the relationship dynamics 100%. in that movie is so so subtle and fun. Uh, let's see, final question here, and then we'll get to topic of the week. We may answer some later, and even after the podcast, we may chill a little bit. Uh, most underrated vid you made, in your opinion? I'll hit you with it because if you don't know, he he not only helps. I mean, my man is the host, the co-host over here on Intercut, <laughs> cuts it all up, but he has multiplex. Like, if Zach kept multiplex. Bro, he would keep you up to date with every next best picture winner completely all the time. My man is on top of the Oscar game, and, and he's going to bring it back. But out of all the ones yeah. you made there, and I would even include uh, when you were working for MovieTickets.com. Oh, all the ones that I've made. I thought. Um, yeah, hmm. anything that you've made. I know for me, I'll personally say Arrival. I felt my Arrival and Annihilation video. Um, we were talking about Annihilation earlier. I know a lot of yeah. people with the whole, like, the director, should they even say what it means? 
The reason I haven't made the Yes video, and I'll give you a little clip, a little little hint over here. I have the clip where Jordan Peele literally tells you what it's about, looks over at the producer, stops for a second, realizes he kind of just spoiled something big, and looks away. Ain't nobody but your boy LME gonna find those clips for you, all right? I had the same one for Annihilation. If you watch my Annihilation A to Z video, which has nowhere near the same views that LME does, um, mm -hmm. even though LME did mention it, regardless of what other people may say with their ideas. But in the Annihilation video, I have the clip where Oscar Isaac spoils the whole thing. Right. My favorite video has been, that, that I feel has gone underrated, is probably Arrival. I love my final line from Arrival. And not just because I wrote it, it's because like it made me love the movie so much more. The yeah. I don't know if you remember it, but I say mm. the arrival is more important than a departure. Oh my gosh, I don't I don't even see it as like I wrote. It. I just kind of see it like that's the movie. The movie the wrote. Movie it. wrote it. The movie yeah. wrote that line. I didn't. The movie was just waiting for me to figure it out. Um, what yeah. about you? Uh, I'd say from the videos I made. I mean, I, I still enjoy uh, that I did that top 100 movies of I think it was 2014 or whatever like I just yeah. jammed that all in there uh, but of the movie ticket stuff I really liked doing the name that emoji movie I mean I, I got the panel still on my wall mm -hmm. uh, it was just a fun idea I I would venture to say it might be more entertaining than the emoji movie but uh, that's not very very high bar yeah, either no I did like your, the, the one that you did for the 100 movies because then you started doing the letterbox yeah, and I jumped on that the letterbox of mm -hmm. like where I have the movies super late on it so people really think like the most random movie is my number one of the year right <laughs> but I'm just really late behind that stuff but no that's that's those were good videos I like those all right, so thank you for submitting your questions. You can always submit questions for us to answer on the Intercut Podcast by emailing us at intercutpod at gmail.com or by reaching out to us on social media, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. The handle is at intercutpod. That's intercut, P-O-D. That's short for podcasts. Be an inner cutie and send us your movie, TV, and entertainment questions. We're going to move on to our topic of the week, and this week's topic is is the future of Marvel futures the f versus the future of DC. We're at kind of a pivotal point for uh, both of these studios, franchises, however you want to look at it, being that we're leading into Endgame, Avengers Endgame, a decided turning point in the fate of the future Marvel movies. We'll mm -hmm. be losing some stars, mm -hmm. other stars will be taking center stage, uh, and Marvel won't be able to rely on the same things they've always relied on. On the other hand, DC has kind of turned the page of their on their own. They've basically taken a step forward from Justice League and are now embracing uh, these movies like uh, the Joker movie, the Matt Reeves Batman movie that's yep. coming up, the recent released Shazam movie, movies that are a little bit more all over the place uh, a tonally and that maybe don't have as much interconnectedness yeah. as the lot of Marvel movies. So art, I want to ask you who do you think has the brighter future Marvel movies or DC movies? Both. We have very okay. similar thoughts with remakes. Don't hurt nobody. The original's yeah. still there. Uh, Lion King just came out. The trailer just came out. I'm okay. Sure. Um, I'm excited for the soundtrack, but I am a big believer in that all the Disney remakes don't really do much. They're just live action remakes. And I get the, the, the idea of it is to, for this new generation to go back and watch it. That's what the new pet cemetery was. I'm not, excuse me, going back to watch pet cemetery. Cause my horror friends are shout out Lee and all of them on horror tube, but I myself, 
am not watching it until I got pushed to when I was making this video. And I like that. You know what I mean? Because we were yeah. just talking earlier. I'm also okay with bad movies because we can still find enjoyments out of them. So the thing with this of like having it to be Marvel versus DC, it's like, what are you talking about? I love the competition. We mm-hmm. get to be fans of both. And on top of that, you also get the the, the idea that if Marvel doesn't keep this consistency that they have going on here and DC doesn't quote unquote. And I know some people are going to get mad at this fail and has to redirect. We don't get this new thing that we're talking about where it feels like an actual comic universe. And I want to make a whole, let me explain just on that. But that idea that they don't have to be connected the way that the DC animated movies aren't connected, but they share some voice stuff. The comics aren't connected, but we pick which one we like the most. And now you get to decide, dang it. Jared Leto's the Joker. Now we have to wait like te- no, that's te- what are you talking about? You can pick Jared Leto's Joker, who supposedly is still getting his own movie, but supposedly. then so is Joaquin. Right. And then there's the TV Joker, who's like I don't know, old. I don't. He's got like he just went through chemo or something. Dude, I am. That's that's great for me. I don't mm-hmm. understand how you're not a fan of that. Can we still complain and do all that? Sure. Because some of y'all, that's how you get your views and videos. Do your thing. I get the game. Complain that all you wish it wasn't like this, but then if it wasn't like that, then you would have nothing to create out of content. It's all content, dude. I'm I'm happy for it. Just as long as you're making good movies and not Suicide Squad, let's go. Right. And I think the idea of we just want good movies is is definitely bolstered by the freedom that both of these companies are now going to potentially have Mm -hmm. Marvel, because in the future, they're going to worry a little bit less about the interconnectedness and making sure it all leads to one place. As Kevin Feige's talked about, they're probably not going to do this kind of epic. And that's cool movie again. That's great. It lets these movies sort of exist a little bit more in their own universes and maybe dive a little bit deeper into subgenres, be a little bit more unique. Uh, and, and that's cool with what what's going on in the DC universe, too. It's great that they have a broadly comedic movie like Shazam. It's great that they're going to do a dark and serious movie mm-hmm. like the Joker one. I, I think that the more that... Uh, the superhero genre is free to incorporate elements of other genres and kind of mold itself into all these different types of movies will help keep it fresh and keep it exciting. That being said, do you feel like uh, Marvel has any concerns over what their, where their characters are going to be at given the turnover what, uh, where they're not going to be, not going to have the same Captain America, not going to have the same Iron Man to rely on that they're going to have to create these new tent poles in a way. I mean, kind of, because we were saying that, like, or you were talking about, like, it's the biggest obvious secret that Captain Marvel will now be the new captain. We, you, you, I think you were the one who said it, where it's like, yeah, she has not been called Captain Marvel yet. So wouldn't it just be ca- the one captain to another, which is yeah. what we said. And if it does make it, oh, my God, for cutting that clip and up, uploading it. That idea that that's the way she's going to get her name. One captain to another. She is the captain now, in a sense. You know right. what I mean? Um, I think enough people liked Captain Marvel. Definitely enough people liked Black Panther. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Guardians. I think they're right. set. People act like, oh, we're going to miss these big heroes. But I'm like, y'all don't realize Marvel put the work. I made an A to Z video about that. About the parenting in Marvel and how they're not just showing that. But they did that in their movies. They went and cast a whole group of younger people and Ant Man. All mm-hmm. those. First of all, Ant Man. Paul Rudd is fifty. I don't know why he counts as a new Avenger. 
All right, my man's older than the original Avengers, and they're yeah. leaving. I don't know what that's about, but that the idea that it's people are worried that this, you know, we're getting rid of Captain America and Iron Man and who knows how else. It's like, so we're just left with the other people who grossed a billion dollars. Like they're good, right. they're fine. But I like that idea that you said that I didn't know they're not making another Avengers. Uh, apparently. According to Feige, that they're they're not going to be doing this big lead up the same way. I don't know if that means they're not going to make another Avengers. Mm. And frankly, if he said they're not going to make another Avengers, I wouldn't believe it. I think yeah, there dumb. will be some other uh, grouping together of them. But I believe the way that all these movies led into one bi- one big culmination, uh, apparently. That is supposed to be a thing of the past. I think they're still going to do, like, if you read any of the comics or stuff, they do a lot of, like, team-up things. So yeah. I think they're still going to do it. I think it's, you're right, yeah, I mean, it's just you not going like, to be called the Avengers, maybe. You look at Thor Ragnarok, and That's that a was team-up essentially, movie. yeah, a team-up movie. That's I think cool. that makes more sense for their future. Mm-hmm. That, that'll that be pretty dope. Plus, uh, I mean, this was, so you heard this was known as the Infinity Saga. Right. And I love that about it. Just like we have our DC Antiverse, I love the idea of, this is also very comic-like, but just like comics, you have your single issues, Captain America 1, 2, 3, but it's also the Captain America collection, which we right. know as a trade paperback. But we also know that you can have 10 volumes of a trade paperback, and then it becomes an book. It becomes a book. Then you got book right. one, book two, book three. Then you combine all those books, and you have an omnibus, and it's this huge thing like that that I don't even know how you could read. But what's dope about that is that if DC is doing it where it's like different series, right? Some are mm-hmm. connected, some are not, whatever. It's kind of cool that uh, for Marvel, he already called it Infinity Saga. So these are all the little issues, right? All whatever, 20 right. movies are the little issues. Combined into their own little subgroups are trade paperbacks. Combine all into one, you know, they become books, they become an omnibus. And these, what is it, 55 hours in total? Endgame is, what, another 47 hours? So whatever that totals up to is one big story. It's our generation. Like, this mm-hmm. is what we grew up with. It's it's the Sean Connery James Bond for other people when it's Pierce right. Brosnan for me. And it's, um, who is it now? Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. And I don't know, maybe you just elbowed the future for other people. I think that's <laughs> interesting. That's really cool to me. It's the Star Wars saga with Skywalkers for some for so long. To others, it's the prequels. To others, it's this. Who knows what it's going to be in the future? Bro, right, I like right. it. Like, it's cool. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, and no other company seems to be kind of prepared for mm-hmm. this, like, wave after wave of cycling out stars and yeah. actors and storylines uh, than Marvel does right now, which is pretty cool. Uh, although, you know, it is I, – I do wonder if at a certain point they will take – more of a lead from DC and kind of throw out some more of that continuity the way that they have the Spider-Man movies and that the Spideyverse movie was such a success success that juggling different like doing a more of a multiverse approach um, might allow for some more creative freedom I think that was more Sony no yeah but I I don't know how much Marvel how much control Marvel has great point they just got Fox Right. I've been so, excited as... Whew. They're taking over the release of the upcoming X-Men movie. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> what about New Mutants? Uh, I think they technically are... Ta- like, they will be the distributor of it. Whether or not they're going to release it or release it as is, who knows? But, like, to release those movies doing good and well, you still got to... You know what I mean? 
Yeah. It's like when you release two episodes of Intercut, <laughs> even though you know one's already been like, that's the thing. Yeah. I guess do it because you already got the content, but like, without a doubt, they're recasting Logan. It's just, it's going to yeah. happen. It's going to happen. Um, but there is a difference, like you just mentioned. Warner Bros. owns all DC, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Marvel, however, is split. It was one split between Fox. Now they get to fix that. But they're sharing Spider-Man with Sony. They're sharing right. Hulk with Universal. And uh, I there's still some that they may not fully have. I don't know. But you get what I mean? Marvel has yeah. never been one house. And thus, you've had all these different things going on. It has never just been Marvel versus DC. It's been Marvel versus DC and itself with different companies. DC has everything under them. So I think that's why it's really interesting that they've decided to own. You know, like how Oakley... And Ray-Bans are owned by the same company, but they pretend like it's competition. That I didn't know, but I'll believe Did you Did you there. not know that? No. Bro, they are owned by the same company. When you go buy sunglasses, it's the same people. <laughs> I knew the person who uh, did a lot of marketing for S.E. Johnson, I think is what it's called. And mm-hmm. he told me how a lot of the, the competition, it's fake. They own both competitions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just know how to boost one over the other. Mm-hmm. That's super intriguing. And to appeal me. to different markets and stuff. So like what that. DC's doing right now is that it gets to be all under their um, umbrella. And their competing Joker movies are with themselves type of thing. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. It's the whole behind the scenes stuff is kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, a lot to be excited for, whether you're a Marvel fan, a DC fan, or both. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on to the new to see? Bro, it's going to be great. Endgame's going to be fantastic. I can't wait for DC to continue doing what they're doing just give us more movies give us more tv shows biggest worry is just the platforming but i guess that's what we're here for yeah <laughs> can't wait for the cable package to get the dc <laughs> the dc one the marvel one the disney one all of them yeah uh so that is it for our topic of the week let me let us know what we should talk about in future episodes of the show through comments or emails now we go to our final segment the new to see where we break down what's new in theaters to streaming and on vod starting with New to theaters, April 12th, Hellboy. A lot of people on the live stream want to know what uh, we are thinking about Hellboy. I'm still not sure if I'm going to see this one, but you see everything. Dude, so No one is seeing I mean, I got my tickets. I didn't even have to reserve a seat. <laughs> <laughs> no one's seeing this one. There was a comment someone had said. They had tweeted out. It said, Hellboy is rated R. And it's just like, that is such an obvious thing to say that people are like, this movie's going to make 10 bucks in theaters. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to see this one. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, also out this weekend, Little, the age-swapping movie, I believe, uh, with Issa Rae and Taraji, I want to say. P. Hansen, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I think so. Uh, Issa Rae seems like the big star of it. Yeah. So good for Issa. She's getting that glow up. Uh, the movie seems fine. Dude. I, I don't know. Did you hear about how the little girl wrote it? Really? Bro, the little girl wrote the story, the treatment for it, sends it in. They develop it. She's not only in it, she's the executive producer, officially the youngest executive producer. I, I'm pretty sure. Even if it's not, I don't care. Like, what are you? Yeah, I've, I've read I've read that thing about movie? her being the youngest executive producer. That's crazy. Wow. Good for her. Yeah, It seems like an OK movie, but like that, that's. Yeah. Marseille Martin. Yeah. Uh, also out in theaters this weekend. Missing Link. I think this is the new Leica movie with Zach Galifianakis. And then uh, in limited release, After a Dark Place, Mary Magdalene, Master Z, Ip Man Legacy, Teen Spirit, and Wild Nights with Emily. All right. 
Any of those stand out to you? Um, that Mary Magdalene movie is finally coming out from the uh, Weinstein Company oblivion that it was sent to. Trash. <laughs> I, I was not a fan of it. I am curious to see Missing Link. I don't know if it'll be as good as Kubo, Kubo and his four strings or three strings, however many he had. However many he lied it was about. more than two. Yeah, it was more than two, that liar. But <laughs> yeah, that, that, that one I'm curious for. New to streaming on Netflix, April 12th, Band-Aid. This is an indie that uh, I think we both like a bit, right? Yes, I like it a lot. I was like, what is Band-Aid? I was like, wait, 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 why does it sound so familiar? It's because I've been recommending it every time I can. Yeah, Zoe Lister-Jones, Adam Pally. Did you see she got picked up to, oh my gosh, she just got picked up to do a really big remake or franchise or something like that, and I'm so excited. I had had to retweet that. I never tweet about like casting things but like they picked her up to be the director of some remake i can't remember what and i'm so for it oh um it the cults the it's some cult movie about like the coven these witches it was like a big movie in the 90s and now it's coming back people were really big. oh the craft the craft she's doing it and people were like i don't know about this i'm like yo it feels so good to be on the side where since i've seen her work this is the movie where everyone goes i don't know about this then it comes out and everyone's surprised kind of like it Kind of like a bunch of the other movies where people were skeptical of the remake. They see it and then they like shut their mouths about it. I'm excited for that. Yeah. Uh, Also on Netflix, April 12th, Huge in France, The Perfect Date, The Silence, and Special. Those are all Netflix originals. On April 13th, HBO Go gets Crazy Rich Asians. And then on April 14th, it's the season eight premiere of Game of Thrones. It was so far away for so long, and now it feels so close. You've heard the joke, right? When Kumail was like, dude, I feel like I should have done it. I should have been watched this uh, a couple months ago. And then people were like, it's almost like there wasn't enough time in between seasons. (laughs) It's like, that's the (laughs) one thing we complain about. Yeah. So, Uh, Crazy Rich Asians also for people who haven't caught up with it. Mm -hmm. It's fun. On Hulu, April 11th, a movie that I know you didn't like, but I want to watch it anyway, Tyrell, the latest from uh, Sebastian Silva. Then April 12th, Pledge. April 14th, Steve Jobs, The Man and Machine. April 15th, Master of Disguise, and We Are Columbine. And then April 17th on Hulu and on Prime Video, Overboard, the uh, new one. Interesting. New to VOD, April 16th. The Kid Who Would Be King, Glass, and Replicas. Any of those worth watching? Uh, no. I didn't see The King one, but I did see Replicas, and that was the movie that I told you was so dumb, I actually thought for a second that Keanu Reeves actually believed he was discovering this stuff. <laughs> so for that alone. Maybe. All right, so uh, that's what's new this week, let's get to the pick for the week. Art, what are you recommending the people watch this week? Game of Thrones. I mean, that's the biggest thing, probably Game of Thrones. Yeah, I mean, it, everybody's going to be watching it, so might as well. Yeah, I'd say Game of Thrones and uh, Barry. Like, I'm waiting for a bit, but probably Barry. Yeah, I can uh, second both of those recommendations. I'm going to also throw in Pen15 on Hulu. Did you finish uh, it? Yeah, I finished it. This is a new comedy. I think it's produced by the Lonely Island guys, but uh, it's about two women who are reliving their seventh grade experience, and it's kind of 
got this funny conceit that the two stars of the show are women who are in their 30s and they're surrounded by actual 7th and 8th graders uh, in the filming of the show, which lends to the awkwardness of those situations. They're really playing up the awkwardness of adolescence in a very funny way. But because they've got that um, adult nature in it, they can be a little bit a little bit meaner to them and yeah. a little bit more explicit in some of the details. I, I thought, thought it was a very funny show, but it also has some kind of seriousness to certain episodes. Uh, there's the Spice Girls episode where it talks a little bit about uh, racism. And for me, the highlight was the AIM episode, the AOL Instant Messenger episode, just because it's so perfectly recreated the awkwardness Dude. of those early online interactions. I don't know how they did it, but it was getting me just extreme 2000s nostalgia. Dude, so you got to watch. We were talking about South by earlier. You got to watch. Uh, yes, God. Yes. Uh, it's yeah. feature length that episode. It's a feature length version of that episode. Awesome. So uh, I'm excited for that. I liked Pen15. I'll also throw out a podcast recommendation. Uh, I generally like listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, but okay. it can be a little up or down. Uh, but he had Colin Farrell as a guest recently on his show, and it was a great interview. Uh, just Colin was very much an open book about his career and things that he uh loves and things that he looks for he talked about being jealous that Joaquin Phoenix uh had that role in her that was the role that he wished he could have had uh he talked about the way that he approaches his acting and how uh, an accent can either be something that keeps a block between him and the character or is the hook that really gets him into the character so it has a lot of those great little anecdotes if you're interested in Colin Farrell at all I would highly highly recommend uh checking that podcast out sounds sick all right. So, yeah, uh, that just about does it for us here on the Intercut Podcast. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter at ZShevich or on Instagram and Letterboxd also at ZShevich. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash multiplex show. Uh, but more specifically, check out youtube.com slash Intercut Pod. Art, where can people find more from you? Right here. <laughs> right here. If you're watching it, that channel, that whatever you're watching from, probably right there, unless someone stole it. Uh, yeah, no, you can find me on the A to Z show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Of course, I'll let me explain where we're going to be streaming this. If you join like right at the last second or anything like that, know that we're going to be doing these in the futures. Let other people know in case they don't know. The best way, if you like, like this, I thought it was cool. We've been yeah. pitching this since like the first 10 episodes. We're like, we always have these talks where we say, wouldn't it be dope? If like people were just like listening in and added to it, I, I like the conversation, especially when I had a dip for thirty minutes. <laughs> so that, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, hey, no, no worries. Hey, people got to know you. The, how else are people gonna know you? Exactly. You know what I mean? It's yeah. better to have a one-on-one. I can explain it, <laughs> or you could have the one-on-one with them. But right, uh, right. At that same time, uh, I'm excited to do more of these. Just streaming them there. If you're watching the finished product, know that we're live streaming them over on Let Me Explain. I'm sure you're already there. But of course. This specific type of content, if you're not, if you're missing the live stream, no worries about it. It'll always be there on the Intercut Podcast. Yes, you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, or your favorite podcatcher. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod. Uh, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment for you. Mm -hmm. Find new episodes of Intercut every week, and please leave us a comment, like the video, consider heading over to iTunes to give us a five-star review. Any review, I don't Uh, care, just watch. (laughs) 
No, nah, leave it five stars. And then like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from myself, from the guests that we've had mm-hmm. on this podcast. Uh, but that's all for now. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, I don't want to talk about it, but I would never play an Australian. <laughs>